Here's my recipe for a Jumpman Lives cocktail. Add one part Jumpman and one part Jumpman Jr. into a glass you don't own the rights to. Stir well and drink it quickly before it gets pulled from the shelves. This week's game is Jumpman Lives by Apogee. Welcome to episode four of Like a DOS, the podcast on which I play, discuss, and review MS-DOS games released for the IBM PC and compatibles. My name is Rob Flack O'Hara, and on today's episode of Like a DOS, I will be playing Jumpman Lives. Before we get started, I'd like to remind everyone about my Patreon page. If you'd like to find more about supporting my Like a DOS podcast, along with all my other podcasts, visit patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hara for more details. All of my Patreon get behind-the-scenes blog posts, weekly rando Rob videos, access to the Amigos Retro Gaming Discord server, and other additional perks. I know $4 a month may not sound like it would make a difference, but it all adds up and really helps small independent shows like this one with podcast-related costs. So again, that URL is patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hara. If you have feedback about this or any episode of the show, you can email me directly at Rob O'Hara at RobOHara.com. Join the conversation on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash RobCasts. Follow me on Twitter at Commodore. Come chat with me on the Amigos Retro Gaming Discord server or leave a message on the podcast hotline, which is 405-486-YDKF. When we got our PC Junior, we got a copy of Jumpman. I played Jumpman a lot as a kid, and later on I got Jumpman and Jumpman Junior for the Commodore 64. It was one of the earliest games I played on the IBM PC. And later, when I got my own PC in the early 90s, I discovered Jumpman Lives around the time I began calling PC-based bulletin board systems. Jumpman Lives was originally published for MS-DOS in 1991 by Apogee. It is a game for one to four players that uses joystick or keyboard controls. Apogee began publishing games all the way back in 1986, and they were active originally through 1997. They were originally sold and repurchased. Uh, It was a company founded by a young man named Scott Miller. Apogee is best known for inventing what is known as the shareware model, which is also referred to as the Apogee model. If you're not familiar with Apogee games, uh, Apogee was well known for giving away the first level to their game, sometimes the first couple of levels, and that would be free. And if you wanted the rest of the levels of the game, you could order those. Uh, And so that was their model. That was what was known as the shareware model. And Apogee is credited with being the first company to do that. They were based out of Dallas, Texas. And like I said, uh, they were active all the way through 1997. Some of their early games, the earliest game was Maze Runner, which is not a game I was familiar with. And I think what put 
Apogee on the map originally was the Commander Keen games, which were developed by id or ID Software in 1990. Uh, they later published multiple Commander Keen games. They published the Dark Ages games, uh, but what most people know uh, id and Apogee for was Wolfenstein 3D, Duke Nukem, Rise of the Triad, um, uh, Alien Carnage, all those types of games. But they also put out uh, several platform games around the same time, along the, the same style of game as Commander Keen, uh, Hocus Pocus, Monster Bash. So lots of great Apogee games. Uh, if you were playing games in the 1990s on the IBM PC, chances are you definitely were aware of Apogee. Now, this game was developed by a man named Dave Sharpless under the title Seamus Soft. Dave Sharpless has three games uh, credited to him on Moby Games. One is Mario Brothers VGA, and the other is Joust VGA, along with this title. So it looks like to me he was a programmer who specialized in taking already developed intellectual property and converting it to the PC. So for those not familiar with the original uh, Jumpman, which again was released for lots of different systems in the early 1980s, most of the 8-bit systems uh, and uh, even some consoles had copies of Jumpman. Uh, Jumpman is a platform game slash a puzzle game. And the goal is to clear each level by collecting all the bombs without dying. Uh, it was an original title that was first published by Epics. Uh, this game, Jumpman Lives, contains all the levels that were included in both Jumpman and Jumpman Jr., and in addition to all those levels, it also includes a level editor that allows you to make your own levels. Now, Jumpman, all the way back in the early 1980s, was originally programmed by a man named Randy Glover. Uh, I have covered Jumpman, the original Jumpman, on Sprite Castle, my Commodore 64 podcast. So Jumpman Lives is an updated version of Jumpman. Uh, when I say updated, it, it uh, includes, like I said, all the levels from the original Jumpman. It also includes all the levels from Jumpman Jr., which was the sequel. Um, but for some reason, neither Apogee nor the developer of this game had the rights <laughs> to publish a sequel to Jumpman. Uh, now, I did read that Dave Sharpless developed this uh in Pascal 6, and he, well, the first thing that he did when developing this game is he created the level editor, which is included in Jumpman Live. So once he had a working level editor, he used it to recreate all the levels from those other two games. Uh, following Apogee's shareware model, Jumpman Lives was originally released 
uh, in four separate episodes. So each episode had between 11 and 12 different levels. The first one was free, but then you had to purchase the other three episodes to get all the levels of Jumpman Lives. Uh, again, this game was published without Epix's permission, and so it was pulled from market shortly after release. Now, I was mistaken. I did not think this was ever released in stores in a box, but according to Moby Games, it was. I am not able to find any examples of the box, and Apogee was well known for distributing their programs online. Uh, they would send out the free versions of their games through BBSs and they would spread that way. And then hopefully people would download those, play them. And then you could mail in something or call a phone number and you could order uh, the paid additional paid levels. So I wasn't able to find the actual box or a physical manual, but again, according to Moby games that did exist. Uh, but I displayed the version that you would download. So uh, once you download and run the game, you are treated with a fairly entertaining loading screen. Uh, it The first thing you see is a very small computer towards the bottom of the screen. I can't tell if it's supposed to be an Atari computer or maybe a Commodore 64. But on the small computer, you can see Jumpman playing on the small monitor. So this is pretty, it, it appears pretty small. Uh, even when you play it in full screen on a modern monitor, it, it looks uh, really small. Uh, then it comes up, it says Apogee Software Presents at the top of the screen. And it moves into uh, a a short... <laughs> animated title sequence. Uh, we first see Saturn. It's obviously a planet with rings around it, which later we learn is Saturn. Uh, we see a purple rocket ship go by, uh, and then the rocket ship eventually lands. Jumpman, uh, the actual character, Jumpman, emerges from the rocket ship, and he runs around and begins picking up bombs. So it's almost like it's playing a level of the game. And as Jumpman collects the bombs, each bomb that he picks up reveals a letter of the title. So he picks up all seven bombs, and it spells J-U-M-P-M-A-N, Jumpman. Uh, and then eventually, at the end of it, it says, Live. So we have the full title of the game appears, Jumpman Lives. The font at the top of the screen is this very, if you're familiar with any computer demos from the 80s or 90s, you will recognize this font. It's a um, a fade. It's almost like a chrome fade. So the top half of the letters fade from red to a white color, and then the bottom fades from black to white. Uh, it's a very iconic, classic look from that era. Uh, and again, and then it says lives just kind of hanging off of the original, uh, jump man title. Once the intro is finished, we move to the menu screen, uh, and that is where you will be presented with all the options for configuring the game before we start playing. Uh, it has controls for players one through four. Now, there's only one player playing at a time in Jumpman, so there's not much difference of one player, or two player, four player. Everybody, people want to rotate through and play the game, but it does support up to four players. 
the first thing you will notice about this screen is that the font is so large that it's very difficult to read. I actually tried to count, and I believe that the font is 20 characters wide on the screen. So the letters are are really large. You have lots of options on this. You can redefine the keys if you want to play with a keyboard. You can also test the keyboard input. So once you've configured the keys, you can test and make sure that the keys you just configured are working the way you want. Again, you can choose one to four players. There's a section that has ordering information. There is an area where you can view the high scores. This game keeps track of high scores and will save them. Uh, you can view the credits, the people who put the game together. You could go into the editor. You can view the story, which tells a long backstory <laughs> about Jumpman. Uh, there's also a help section. If you're having trouble with any of those other sections, and some of those sections also have help sections, but this is a help section that helps you with other help, I guess. <laughs> I mean, there's so uh, there's so much going on on this screen. The entire screen is filled with text, and again, the text is so large that you almost have to lean back to look and, and take it all in. Some because there's so many options on this menu, uh, you would think like uh, C would be credits. You know, view the credits, um, or or you know that that the first letter would line up with the menu options. But because there's so many things on this, I guess that wasn't possible. So uh, C goes to the option for redefining keys, like I guess change keys or configure keys. But there's not even enough room to write that, so it just says C redefined keys. So you would think C would be the credits. So no D. Uh, takes you to the credit. So you really have to kind of look at each one and figure out uh, what button to press to get you to the options that you're looking for. Now on this screen, if you wait long enough, it will flip over and show you the high scores. If you go through the help, the help will tell you some other keys that are available while you're playing the game uh, that aren't shown anywhere else. F1 will pause while you're playing the game and the letter D while you're playing will dump a colorix and that is all one word color C O L O R R I X a colorix 320 by 200 by 256 image to disk so i guess if you're trying to take a screenshot maybe um that doesn't work during the high score screen but it does work during your gameplay uh, if you hit escape, it will abort the game. And unfortunately, sometimes that is necessary. I'll talk about that shortly. And finally, the numbers one through eight will alter the speed of the game. The default is four. That's what the game starts at. One is the fastest and eight is the slowest. Now, on the uh, 8-bit versions of Jumpman and Jumpman Jr., you have to press those numbers before each level starts. So right before the game starts, it says, what speed do you want? 1 through 8. So one difference, one update here is that in Jumpman Lives, it automatically starts you at the default speed. But once the game starts playing, you can adjust it at any time. If you go into the story section on the main menu, you will be presented with a very long story. Um, I don't know that Jumpman necessarily needs a long backstory, but it's there if you're interested. 
it essentially says that Saturn is under siege. There's a long story about the bombs, which have been placed around the famous Sagan Institute of Astronomy. So somebody was apparently infatuated with Carl Sagan, who worked on this. It says that you, as Jumpman, are the government's top anti-terrorist agent and the only one capable of saving Saturn from premature oblivion. I thought that was an interesting choice of words. So it doesn't just say you're capable of saving Saturn from oblivion because I guess they're saying in so many billion trillion years, Saturn uh, will be gone anyway, but you're saving it from premature oblivion. (laughs) Um, It also retcons the term jump. And it says you are able to leap great distances through use of your jump boots and that it turns it into an acronym and jump stands for jet control, uh, jet controlled upward movement propulsion boots. So I guess because you have access to the jump boots, that makes you jump man. Once you start the game, you will see the puzzle, uh, the actual level, which takes up the vast majority of the screen. And down at the bottom, we have just a little bit of information. There's two rows of info that appear down at the bottom of the screen. On the, the first of the two rows, it tells you how many Jumpman you have left, what level, the name of the level you're on, and uh, the run speed. So Uh, if it's whatever that default speed starts on four, but if you change it, it will show up there. The second line shows your score, uh, what player is playing. So if you're playing, you know, a four player game, it'll say player one, two, three, or four and your remaining bonus, which we'll talk about during the score section. Now, every level has its own name. Uh, usually the name is some sort of reference to, the actual level, uh, sometimes they're on the nose. There's one that has a lot of ladders that are moving and it's called ladders. Um, but the easy ones are called nothing to it. Uh, so there's always something, but it helps you remember what level. So when you, uh, play the game in random mode, which is one of the, the ways that you can play it, you'll see the name of the level as it's loading and you'll know what's about to happen. Now, every level, uh, must be cleared to uh, beat the level and move on to the next level. Most of the time, uh, the goal is to remove all the bombs on the level, but on a few of the puzzle type levels, there are some additional goals, but you know, for the most part, that's most of the levels involve just collecting all the bombs. Now, again, Jumpman uh, had uh, a certain amount of levels and Jumpman Jr., uh, which was the sequel, had a certain amount of levels. And so Jumpman Lives has all the levels from both of those games. And then I believe uh, some additional levels. I know there is one super hard level that has been added at the very end of this game, which is only accessible if you beat all the other levels. Uh, The graphics are on Jumpman Lives are essentially the same as the old 8-bit game. Not anything has really been updated. It still looks like uh, Jumpman. All the the levels look the same. It's essentially, it essentially looks exactly, very, very much like the original 8-bit version of a Jumpman that, that 
was released almost 10 years before this on, uh, again, on Commodore, Atari, uh, all those other systems. Uh, I thought, for some reason, I thought some of the colors uh, were slightly different, but I think that might have just been my monitor's configuration. When I went back and looked, uh, I think that it is exactly the same as the original Jumpman. Uh, one thing that has been upgraded are the sound effects and the music. So music doesn't play typically during the level, but there is a little ditty that plays at the end whenever you beat a level. And there are just a couple of different ones that play, um, they cycle through. So you don't always hear the same, uh, short little piece of music. Uh, but on the original, you know, on the, on the Commodore 64, on the Atari, um, it would be a, a very simplistic type of tune that would play. And these I would call ad lib pieces of music. Uh, again, they're very short. I mean, four or five seconds long, um, but but they aren't the original, which is um, slightly jarring in a way. Like you kind of, I expected to hear an upgraded version of the original music since the graphics and the gameplay and the presentation is so similar to the original. I thought maybe the the sound or the music would just be an updated version of the original tunes, but it is, um, you know, new little songs. It doesn't, make it better. It doesn't make it worse. It's just slightly different. Uh, also the sound effects are slightly different from the original. Uh, they sound more like the type of sound effects you would hear from a game that had, uh, sound blaster or ad lib support during that time. Uh, again, I don't, it's a little different than the original. They're not unpleasant, but it's just not um, authentic to the original. So it's, it, that has been updated. Uh, the controls on this game can be, uh, you can control the Jumpman with either the keyboard or with joysticks. Now, a lot of PC gamers didn't have joysticks for many, many years. Um, and, and a lot of games didn't support joysticks. So growing up as a, uh, you know, when I began playing PC games early on and, and even later for many years, I didn't have a joystick. And so I think most PC gamers were comfortable playing games using only the keyboard. And so you can control Jumpman very easily with the keyboard by using the arrow keys to move Jumpman around and the Z button on the keyboard makes Jumpman jump. Now, as I mentioned on that first menu screen, you can change that configuration if you want to use different keys, but I found that configuration worked pretty well for me. The game does support joysticks, and again, uh, through modern emulation, if you have a USB joystick or gamepad, the game will play just fine uh, with one of those. Uh, as you play Jumpman, you will begin to learn little, I don't want to say tricks, but certain things, and, and one of the things that I learned Really quickly, I mean, obviously I've played Jumpman for, for many, many years, more than half my life, uh, is there is a bullet on many of the levels. And the bullet travels uh, in the border area of the game, either on the left, right, or on the top or bottom. And it goes very slowly. And when the bullet lines up with you, it fires. <laughs> so, uh, But it makes a sound 
when it fires. And so, uh, if you can watch the whole screen and kind of see in your peripheral vision where the bullet is, that will help. But if you lose track of the bullet, uh, the biggest thing that I found that works for me is the minute I hear that thing fire, I try to change both my X and Y axis. Um, because if I'm not sure which way the bullet is coming from, the bullet always travels in a straight line. When it fires, it's either moving you know, horizontally in a straight line or vertically in a straight line. So if you can move over a couple of steps and go up a ladder or down a ladder or maybe go down a vine and jump over something like that, uh, then uh, you'll definitely be out of the way. So that's one of the things. Anytime that I hear the bullet fire instinctively, I try to change both my X and Y axis. Um, so to describe what the game board looks like, um, if, for those, again, for those who haven't played Jumpman, uh, it is a platform style game. There are green, uh, I would, they look similar to the girders that are in Donkey Kong. So you have, uh, green platforms that run from the left and right. So you have horizontal, uh, green platforms. And then to move vertically through the levels, you have blue ladders. And then you also have uh, vines, and uh, there are, I believe, the green vines, when you jump on them, uh, Jumpman only climbs up. And then there are purple vines, and when you jump on those, Jumpman only travels down. So you can't go up a down vine, you can't go down an up vine. Uh, and then later on, you'll... Some of the levels have unique things. Some of them have ladders that move around. Some of them have little platforms that move or or disappear as uh, uh, you work your way through the level. So there are there's every level becomes a puzzle. <laughs> Some of the levels, as you collect bombs, parts of the the game board will disappear. So you have to collect the bombs in a certain order. Uh, there are different. Uh, enemies, if you will, uh, on different levels. There are robots. Some of the levels have robots that move. Uh, some of the levels, there's one level that has little dragons that come. Uh, there's one that has UFOs. So there are, uh, there is a bit of variety, but again, by and large, most of the levels uh, have to do with collecting the bombs and clearing the levels. But but there is a lot of random things uh, going on. Um now the game is uh divided up into multiple sections. So there's the beginner section, the intermediate section, the advanced, then there's grand loop, which I believe is all the levels put from beginning to end, and then finally there is the randomizer. So the randomizer uh is uh the one that I normally play because it just throws random levels at you. So uh, when I normally play Jumpman, any of the Jumpman games and specifically Jumpman lives, that's, that's normally uh, uh, how I like to play the game. Now, as far as scoring goes, uh, there's, there's multiple different things that you get scoring for. Number one is uh, you get a hundred points for every bomb that you collect uh, every level starts with a 1500 point bonus that counts down. It removes a hundred points, uh, every, I don't know, five or 10 seconds, something like that. So, um, uh, kind of like Donkey Kong, if you think of it, uh, and this game was, was compared to Donkey Kong when it was released. So that's not 
surprising. The uh, There are grand puzzle levels, and so on those levels, uh, you there are special bombs that you'll have to solve puzzles to be able to reach. And when you do those, you'll get 500 points for those bombs. Uh, there are levels, like I mentioned, that have creatures uh, like the UFOs or the dragons. And if you kill those, you get points. You get points for how many men you have left at the end of each level. And so it depends on it, uh, what level, if it's a, a, um, an easy level, intermediate, hard, or the grand loop. Um, but depending on those four things, you'll get either 100, 250, 500, or 750 points for each jump man that you have remaining. Also, you can get a free man when you earn 10,000 points. Now, Jumpman Lives is pretty generous. I think you begin the game with either six or seven men. So it seems like a lot, but there are levels later in the game where the game board changes and things will disappear. Like you'll be jumping to a platform and you'll grab a bomb in the air and the platform you're jumping to will disappear. (laughs) So you'll learn a lot of those things the hard way. Uh, So Although it seems like you start with a lot of Jumpman, you will go through them rather quickly. Uh, As I mentioned, this game was unlicensed. I really wish I could find more about that story. I've never heard of a major software publisher writing their own sequel to a game that was also released by a major software publisher and not getting permission or checking to see, I mean, Epics was still around, I think in 1991, wasn't Epics around. So I don't know why Apogee thought it would be okay to create a game using all the levels from a previous, <laughs> from an Epics game and then publishing it without check, checking with Epic. So uh, I was only able to find the same small bit of information, which is repeated on lots of websites as, as what happens in, in these cases. But uh, essentially, they all say the same thing, which is that Epic's contacted Apogee and that within a month or two months, this game was pulled from shelves. Now, they use the term from shelves, which makes it sound like it was in physical stores. Uh, again, I couldn't find any real evidence of that, but Moby Games does say that there was a physical release. But either way, the game was only available for a short period of time for purchase, uh, and then it was uh, no longer available. There is what is called the impossible level. It is the last level of the game, and it is a diabolical level, which was added uh, specifically for this release of Jumpman Lives. I looked up a walkthrough of how to beat this level, and it is so impossible. (laughs) Um, You are presented with, I don't know, a dozen bombs, and there's a specific order that you have to pick up the bombs or the level doesn't work. For example, there is a jump that you have to make at the beginning to grab a bomb in midair where you will normally fall to your death. 
However, if that's the first, whenever you get that one, if you get that first, a platform appears for you to land on. However, if you get a different bomb, that platform goes away and then you can't beat the level. Another thing I saw in the walkthrough is one of the bombs is easiest. Um, and this is something I should mention. Um, <clears throat> in, in every version of Jumpman, the original versions of Jumpman and the sequel Jumpman lives, um, Whenever Jumpman is killed, when he is struck by a bullet or hit by a robot or steps on fire or falls too far, uh, he dies and then he bounces like a rag doll from wherever he is all the way down from the top to the bottom of the screen. And each time he hits a platform, he can bounce to the left or to the right or straight up straight up and down. And so you tend to bounce all around. So if you die and you're at the very top of the screen, you will bounce, 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 bounce. And you'll hear this sound. And then it'll play a little tune, uh, whenever you finally reach the bottom. But the thing is while you are dead and bouncing around the screen, it is possible. If you touch one of the bombs, you will collect that bomb. So you can actually, if there's only one bomb left and you are falling to your death and you hit that bomb, you will beat the level. <laughs> I'm not sure. I, I guess you do. You've already lost a man, uh, but you will beat the level and you'll go to the next level. And so one part of this impossible level involves dying and falling through a certain thing and then grabbing the last bomb as you're falling to your death or something. It, it doesn't seem like the type of level that you could beat without some sort of walkthrough assistance available on the internet. It just seems complicated to me. Uh, and speaking of complicated, I want to talk briefly about the editor. Now I tried to play around with the editor and I could not create anything essentially. Uh, it's very complicated. Uh, the help system, uh, there's a help system, as I mentioned, from the main menu, but once you're in the editor, you can hit help there and it will give you more in depth. Uh, and I got, I think on the, somewhere in the first or second page of help for the editor. And there's literally a comment that says, I know this is co uh, complicated, but hang in there. Eventually it will all make sense. Well, it did not all make sense to me. Um, and one problem that I had is that the editor is mouse driven. And so I had a little bit of trouble with DOSBox. I, I was able to get the mouse working, but it didn't seem like it was recognizing all the clicks or something. So I did not have much success with the built-in level editor. Uh, but again, that's what the programmer did was he created the level editor first and then used it to create all the, uh, or replicate, I should say, all the original levels from the original Jumpman and Jumpman Jr. Uh, games. So it, it's obviously very possible to use, but I think you're dealing with something that is 30 years old and doesn't have the friendly, gooey experience that most of us are expecting uh, with a tool like this today. 
So a little bit about sequels and legacy. I think one of the issues that Apogee ran into was Randy Glover, who was the original author of Jumpman and Jumpman Jr. And he, he wrote the games and then the games were published by Epics, but he was always talking about and apparently working on Jumpman 2, which was going to be a sequel for Jumpman. So uh, I suspect that maybe that's why they came after Apogee. So there was a Jumpman 2 that was being bountied around, but it was never finished and never released. But the original Jumpman was released on the Wii Virtual Console. Uh, so if you, obviously the, the virtual store for Wii is no longer available, but if you have ways to obtain that, you can play Jumpman on the Wii. Uh, it was released, Jumpman Forever, uh, was released for the Ouya or Wiya. I don't know how, how there's different ways to say that, but it was released the O-U-Y-A. I always said Wiya um, in 2014. And then Jumpman got a little bit of popularity and had a bit of a, a rebirth or resurgence uh, as it was included on the C64 Mini, which was released in 2018. In fact, I think both Jumpman and Jumpman Jr. were both included on that. So uh, for many people, that was their first experience to Jumpman. All right, time So my personal memories of Jumpman, well, again, uh, they go all the way back to the PC Junior days. Um, there were a lot of bad games, uh, games that were written in CGA, games that didn't work right uh, at the very beginning of IBM gaming. So to get a game that was, uh, you know, that played like an, uh, an arcade game, was phenomenal in that time. And I think that's kind of Jumpman to me, that's Jumpman's place in history was that it played like an arcade platform game. It played like a console platform game. So in the early days there, you know, computer games were different than console games. You know, I remember playing, was it artillery where you had to, to punch in the you know, type the angle and try to shoot this thing at the right angle or or text adventures or even King's Quest where you had to type commands and as you were moving around. Uh, so there was this this built-in thing that because you were using a keyboard for input that that was different than a console game. And so Jumpman wasn't different from those other things. Jumpman could have just as easily been on Atari console system. I think I think uh, it was on the Coleco. I think that's right, uh, Coleco Vision. But uh, so you know, it was a platform game. So to me, that's where it sits originally uh, in the early '80s. For me, this title is one of the first releases that I remember that played on nostalgia because, you know, in the early 1990s, 
uh, we weren't emulating things. So if you wanted to play Jumpman, uh, you had to have an old Commodore 64 sitting around, or you had to have an old Apple or Atari computer sitting in the corner of your room. I don't think the old DOS version of Jumpman probably played on my computer, probably played too fast. Uh, you know, the, the original version. So, so this basically was playing on that nostalgia. It was like, you know, all of a sudden, Oh, I can play all those old Jumpman levels that I used to play almost 10 years ago. Again, I didn't get Jumpman lives. I got my first uh, 386 PC, uh, the Christmas, of 1993. So really, uh, in the, uh, you know, 1993, early 1994 is when I started calling IBM BBSs again. Uh, and so that, that would have been when I got this game. So for me, it was very nostalgia in 1994 to play this game that I played a lot in 1984. Um, I also, <laughs> Uh, as I'm sure I've mentioned on other episodes and I'll mention on many episodes uh, on Like a Dust of the Future, uh, I found Wolfenstein wasn't terrible. But by the time we started getting to like Doom and Doom 2 and definitely the stuff past that, I found that those 3D first person shooters gave me a headache and made me nauseous. They give me motion sickness and I don't really play those 3d shooter type of games. Uh, it's not a, a moral thing. It's, it's, uh, literally a physical physiological. It makes my eyes feel like they're crossed and it gives me a headache. So, um, as games started moving towards that, and, and as you know, uh, with the release of, of doom, and then all of a sudden there was a hundred dune clones, you know, within the next year, uh, you know, I mean, I, I mentioned rise of the triad. I mentioned, uh, some of the other ones that, and those were all from the same company. Um, but every company was, was putting out, uh, you know, first person shooters. And so I was definitely gravitating towards arcade style games like mortal Kombat which uh, I had on the PC and uh, you know, platform type games, which usually weren't great uh, <laughs> when compared to 16 bit consoles, like uh, you know, Halloween Harry or Hocus Pocus were fun games, but they didn't look like super Mario world. So they were fun to play. Uh, and this was a game that for me was fun to play again, graphically. It didn't probably stand up to other stuff that were being, that was being released, uh, in the early nineties. But, uh, uh, but I've always loved Jumpman. I think it's a game that really, uh, stands the test of time. I think it's fun then. And I think it's fun now. I, you know, definitely I'm, I'm the type of guy that likes simpler games. Uh, but for me, I have had a blast over the past couple of weeks diving back into Jumpman and Jumpman Lives and playing especially the randomizer and running through the random levels. So if you have access to ExoDOS or if you could set up DOSBox, uh, find a copy of Jumpman Lives and give it a shot. I think uh, you will, if you enjoyed the original, I think you'll enjoy this one. Thanks for checking out Like a DOS. What did you think of this episode's game? What was your favorite DOS game? Send your thoughts to me at Rob O'Hare at RobOHara.com. 
You can also add your thoughts on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash robcast. Follow me on Twitter at Commodore. Come chat with me on the Amigos Retro Gaming Discord or leave a message for me on the podcast hotline at 405-486-YDKF. All supporters of my podcasts get behind-the-scenes blog posts, weekly videos, access to the Amigos Retro Gaming Discord server, and other additional perks. To find out more, visit patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hara. Like a DOS is available from iTunes, the official Amigos podcast feed at anchor.fm forward slash Amigos podcast, and the RSS feed at podcast.robohair.com, where you can also find information about all my podcasts, including Sprite Castle, You Don't Know Flat, Cactus Flax, Throwback Reviews, Multiple Sadness, Like a DOS, and others. Thanks again for listening. Now go put on your jet-controlled upward movement propulsion boots, and we'll see you here next time on Like a DOS. Finally, this podcast would not be possible without the support of Patreons like these. Thanks to my 8-bit supporters, Alan Hennessy, Alan Hudgens, Armadon Restel, Brian Barr, Carrie Clanton, Chris Folds, C. Dubs, Cowbird Boy, Dan Paradroid Heavey, Daniel Jaleppa, Dave Velociraptor, David Hearn, David Modelak, Eric Stryanisi, Extent of the Jam, Gabe DeGenero, Garrett Allier, Gary Heather, Hacker Radio, Jake Nonamaker, Jason Warrens, John Treholt, Jose Cazada, Joshua Ekroff, Mark Alley, Matthew Paron, Mike McLaughlin, Mitsuyama, Mr. Bundy, Nathan Dagenhart, Olav Hope, Patrick Markey, Petzl, KZ9Zap, Rad Max, Rydar and Christopher Bow, Retro Trace, Robbie Ray. Robot Doctor 82, Scooter Prime, Scott Lambert, Scott Meredith, Scrap Arcade, Stephen Burt, Steve Rasmussen, The Slow Norris, Travis Gussie, Zeke Pabsky, Zerfall, and The Mysterious Cobra Kai. Extra special thanks to my 16-bit supporters, Bill Spear, Boar's Head Tavern BBS, Dan Creek, Dave Zilly, Drone Doctor, Edward Smith, Graham W. Vebke, Joe Sharippa, John Morrison, Matt Nicholson, Matt Smith, Paul Nermix Nermanen, Rick Reynolds, Scott Von Dracic, Steve Sharippa, Vintage Volts, and Mr. Wacky.